wondering what to write about, trying to figure out what it's all about. Existentialist, am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Spending time all alone, sending my songs through the phone, dreaming of a better home. We while focused on trying to hone this craft, witchcraft. I hope the brujas let this last. That was great. Sounds of Watts without sound on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven. Myself prestige with my partner in crime, Long Island raised, Elm City made, EZ Blues is in the building. EZ Blues, you are better with introductions more than me. Who do we have with us today on Behind the Brand? I can fly in the sky. I can fly twice as high. Take a look. It's in a book. It's the Reading Rainbow, and that is amazing. We all grew up on it in a time where you had Sesame Street, these incredible Muppets, teaching us different words in different languages. When we had Mr. Rogers change out his sneakers to put on another pair of sneakers and a different cardigan, but that's fine. We still felt comfortable. There was this amazing push for education to elevate, and we did that by locking into our imagination. Thank you for being so here, much Lauren. For having me. <laughs> Thank you for being here. We appreciate you all. Easy has a little like Wi-Fi trouble, but um, we're really happy to have you here on the show. Um, just to kick this interview off, why the name Possible Futures? Yeah, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think like there are lots of people who have said it, Toni Morrison being one of them. Like if yeah. you if you can't um, imagine it, you can't be it. If you can't imagine it, you can't uh, make it happen. And mm-hmm. so Possible Futures is... It's kind of about the idea of just getting together with other people, gathering around books and imagining like a future that is better for yourself and better like collectively mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, so, you know, I think I think like books help us be our our best our best selves. It's kind of like what I when I'm trying to get ready to do something, I I automatically turn turn to books. And so it right. seemed like, I don't know, it seemed like a great name for for a book space. Um, and you know, it's kind of, it's stuck. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always want to own a bookstore? Was that the end goal of the whole thing? Yeah. Um, probably, you know, people ask like, so like what's possible futures? Cause it's name is possible futures, not like possible futures bookstore. And I always say it's a bookstore. Mm-hmm. So cross, gotcha. okay. cross between a community reading room and an independent bookstore. So People can buy things. Uh, it helps keep the lights on, obviously. Uh, keep the heat on during the, the cold winter months that are coming yes. uh, coming they, soon. They will be here. <laughs> uh, but also that it's just a place for people to gather, even if they're not in a position to buy, uh, to make a like capitalist transaction, right? If you just want to be around good people and good vibes. And I will say that like, if you had asked me when I was like 20, like, what would you mm. want to do with your life? I would have probably said, if I could be my most honest, like, I want to have a bookstore that's like, not really like a bookstore. It's more like a community space. <laughs> and so for me, like, it's physically a bookstore and a book space, but it's also spiritually, like, it is what I dreamed. It's like, my, it's like a dream come true for me. It's what oh. I've always wanted to do. Oh, that's, that's lovely. That's awesome. Yeah, I've been yeah. seeing a lot of um, pictures on the internet and social media. It's just everybody just gathering together and have a good time. So it's pretty much more than a bookstore. It's more than a library. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a place for everybody to get together. It's a more of a therapy space, if I'm right. <laughs> yes. Yes. And there's often a dog here who is not an official therapy dog, but her name is Sugar. <laughs> and she's it's kind of- sugar. Yeah, she's like a default therapy dog. Like if you need some sugar in your in your bowl, you can right. come and uh and sit sit and stroke uh sugar the bookstore dog and and also just like yeah, I think have your have your soul kind of fed, I hope, by just hearing good music, seeing interesting art and stuff up on the walls and just being around books and people who are interested in books but are also just interested in I don't know that idea of bettering themselves and working mm-hmm. together for a more like just and humane future for everyone. Mm. Uh, let's go back a little bit early into the broadcast. Um, 
I know you said um, everything just happened when it came to a bookstore, but um, originally, um, what did you go to school for? What did you want to do at first back then when you were 20 years old? Yeah, <laughs> I, um, I decided to be a teacher and I absolutely loved it. I taught um, upper elementary school in, you know, New York City first, uh, like third, fourth, fifth grade. And it's really interesting because I think like one of the threads across everything that I've done after is that like I met young people who really were like I'm not a reader and it's like you're in fourth grade what do you mean you're not a reader like somebody's made you feel like you can't read like reading isn't your isn't your birthright like you you just haven't met the right books yet like of course you're of course you're a reader you haven't met the people who are going to inspire you to like sit down with a book and then get into really good conversation about not just the book, but about how it relates to your life and your goals for yourself, for your family, for your community. And I went on to like, um, I went to graduate school mostly because I just had questions about the way that schools were not serving um, my students well, and Mm. also were not healthy places for teachers to work. Um, And I went to graduate school out on the West Coast, and I loved it. I ended up doing a lot of work uh, with teachers in Los Angeles um, for a number of years, became a teacher educator. So like eventually became a professor where I was like teaching people how to, how to teach and especially how to teach reading. But also I was teaching classes on like the history of public schooling in the United States from pre-colonial to present. So everything from like Native American boarding schools, which oftentimes people don't understand that that's one of the origination points of schooling in what we think of as the United States is like, is like colonial uh, powers, like stealing young people from their cultural communities. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you think about school starting there, you have a really different understanding of what school is and what it's been about, like oftentimes stripping young people of the brilliance and the cultural wealth that they actually bring with them into classrooms. And so a lot of the work that I did with teachers was like trying to understand why schools are the way they are given their history, um, what we can do inside of schools to make them more liberating spaces for young people. And then in particular, how to teach young people to read and to read not just like, you know, not just the words on the page, but to like critically analyze the world around them so that they can not just be what the world tells them they are, which Mm -hmm. oftentimes is super dehumanizing, um, but that they can actually read the world and figure out who they want to be and start working on changing the world so that they get to be who they are to their fullest. Um, And ultimately, you know, I loved, I loved being a a professor in a lot of ways, but, um, but I really kind of felt like if I was going to do the work of like sustaining an institution and, Mm -hmm. and a lot of being a professor is like that stuff. You work on committees and you're like, (laughs) I was like, I want to work for public schools. I want to work for the public library, or I want to work more like for the public good. And, Uh, um, and so this was like, I thought about doing something like this um, for like 10 years, but you know, I had a great job and, and it was a job that made sense to people and I could have, kept it forever you know like all the things that your parents make your parents want to feel too comfortable yeah and also like Mm. people were like oh that's dope you're a professor you know like my Mm. parents would tell their friends and it was just like a source of of pride and stability and so you know you start talking about going to start a bookstore (laughs) (laughs) and people look at you like you're gonna do you're gonna do what like that sounds nice but like that's a little bit risky isn't it um But, you know, ultimately I had some, like, I had some slack in my life and a lot of support from like the people closest to me kind of cheering me on to help Mm -hmm. me do it. And I took the leap and it ended up being a leap kind of into the pandemic, (laughs) you know, Um, but, you know, here, here I am like a few years later and just like really, really happy. It was, you know, rocky few years. I think that's the case for a lot of folks who start small businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's also like, ultimately, if it, if it's what you feel called to do, um, you kind of find a way to make it happen. Even if it's, even if it's bumpy, um, even if it takes like starting and then restarting. Um, and so that's kind of been, that's, 
that's been the journey is that like this part of me has been wanting to do this kind of forever and has been working um, in a parallel job world, um, trying to get up the courage to actually make it happen. Um, so it's crazy how you just just make that jump, huh? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? From professor, from working with all these institutions from the West coast to Los Angeles (laughs) and back here in New Haven, (laughs) Connecticut, just feeling fulfilled. You know, because like what you said earlier, man, that was for that public good. It's just amazing feeling just to do that. Easy. The internet demons are still holding you back, buddy. You can, you can non-verbally talk to me. Oh, now you can talk to me. This is beautiful. I saw the finger up numerous times. I saw your face going back and forth. I know you're just breathing this stuff because like 90% (laughs) of the stuff she says, you tell me every single week, easy blues. So I just want to see your side of this spectrum because like, it feels like you're like two opposite ends of the cloth, easy blue. So go right ahead. I know you're begging to like (laughs) say something. Go right ahead, buddy. No, it's absolutely amazing to see someone do it the right way um, and Mm -hmm. see how it it, it plans out that way. Cause I've, I've, you know, come from the muck and the mire the entire time and, and just, just, I, I, I can't do what you did. Like I can't sit in those classes and, and get that, get that education because it drives me nuts and I, I ask way too many questions and I am I'm like I used to go back to, to school just to annoy professors and like I've gotten a couple of them to like retire um and I, I wear that like a badge of honor um you know so yeah, <laughs> they probably no, it, needed it, it, to retire they probably were people who needed <laughs> to retire right they're the people trying yeah. to give you answers instead of encouraging your questions right which is the problem with a lot of education Com- completely and and thank you so much for bringing light to the fact that our education system started with um you know indigenous people's uh, boarding schools because that really does shine an incredible light on there as per it isn't a matter our education system didn't necessarily start to help elevate anybody but more to bring people down to uniform them so because once we are more pal- we're easily controllable when we're in a group uh, there's a phenomenal philosopher that has stated you know, um, I'll say human, he says man, but human, like a single human is intelligent. A group of humans are dumb, um, you know, because we follow into, into the masses and, and, you know, and that's a lot of what public education does. And I understand it to a point, you know, I had phenomenal teachers that did let me push back, you know, and say, you know, this part of elementary through high school is teaching you how to learn. And when you further your education, you'll actually be taught how to think. Um, and it bothered me because no one teaches me how to think. My brain does that all by itself. It's terrifying and, and you know, gives me nightmares. Um, but then we have amazing human beings like yourself that jump into the community. Look, you took that gamble um, and I'm sure you, you still have those people that are buzzing in your ear saying how dare you give up this for this um but the enrichment like the passion in which you talk um i don't know what your books look like i don't know what you bring home and it's none of my dang business but i can tell every single day internally you are very rich um and that is a beautiful thing so thank you for all that you do oh thanks so much i mean i do feel like um I have arrived at a space of like, you know, really deep fulfillment around it. Um, I just like, I really do love getting people excited about books. I also want to say about, about public education, like I, I love public education and I love the promise of public education. I don't like the reality of it, but I think like it matters a lot that we have public schools for the public good they could be doing a lot more. They could be resourced in ways that actually support teachers and young people Mm -hmm. to kind of do more liberating work, but their history is a real struggle. It's like, you know, people think about big high schools now, you know, the ones that have like, they're called comprehensive high schools, right? They were created to like sort and stratify society. They were created to plug Mm -hmm. people into like different social classes based on you know, somebody in position of power, (laughs) like their determination when a a kid's, you know, based on how people looked, where they came from, Mm -hmm. their parents were, right? And to like have them find, quote, their place, 
which is really a, a mm-hmm. different way of what we, I mean, that's just not how we should be thinking about what it means to engage in education. And like the best teachers are the kind, I think, that get kids riled up to demand mm-hmm what they know inherently they deserve and to ask the kinds of questions that you're saying drove drove some of your teachers crazy but i mean the teachers that are for liberation and for anti-racism and for like possible futures that are humanizing for all young people they are the teachers that want your questions and they want your questions to point back at them you know like if, if your question makes me think hard about myself and whether I'm doing my job right or whether the curriculum is appropriate or whether the school's practices and policies are actually just and humane, those are good questions. Those are the questions we want young people to ask. We try to do it every single week on WNHH LP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City made EZ Blues is in the building with Behind the Brand. Lauren Anderson is with us for Possible Futures on Behind the Brand. Hope I didn't lose your train of thought. Go right ahead, Lauren. What was that? I hope I didn't lose your train of <laughs> oh, thought. Oh, gosh, no, I, not at I, all. I thought I did. <laughs> That was just so smooth. I was like, y'all take it away. Um, (laughs) Yeah, he's he's great with it. Telling you. Icon. I mean, that was amazing. Um, Skills, skills. Uh, No, I just, I just am a big, I always want to kind of, it's like a both and like, I actually believe, I don't know. I believe that being critical and not in like a, not like in a nitpicky criticism way, but like being critical, like having a critical analysis is a compliment. You know, it's like a compliment to our school system if we criti- if we can critically analyze it and give it constructive feedback. It's a compliment mm-hmm. to our, you know, when I, as a teacher, it's a compliment to me if my colleagues can give me tough feedback or my students can give me like tough feedback. Um, and so... I think even with the with the book space now, it's like mm-hmm. if people want it to be different in certain ways so that it can feel more inclusive, more supportive, more community responsive, then those are the kinds of things that I just like would welcome hearing from anyone about because ultimately you don't, you know, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't start a community book space to make a lot of money. And you also just don't do it so you can sit alone by yourself in a room. Um, it's not how it works. So, um, you know, it's like a, it's a both, it's a both and of like, I always am super cautious about, I think, especially public education and teaching, because I think teachers are really undervalued. I think they're really disrespected. I think that mm-hmm. people give a lot of like props and status I mean, when I was, I was the same me, right? When I was teaching fifth grade as I was when I was a professor. The only difference was I had a PhD, some letters behind my name, and it was called a professor instead of being called a teacher. And I just feel like, you know, society really needs to both like regard what time, what the time people spend learning stuff, but also understand that the folk teaching in our schools are essential to like the future of our young people, the future of our country, the future of this world, like, and they deserve to be compensated and appreciated um, at a much, uh, at a much better rate than they are. Um, It's kind of like a moral failure of our country that we allow our teachers and our social workers and our nurses and our librarians to all be so just like undervalued. But, um, but at the same time, like, you know, I, I think is important that doesn't like let you just give everybody a pass. It just means you have to have all of that information on the table when you're talking about stuff. And I think like part of the book space is potential is that maybe people gather here and talk about how to, how to advocate for policies and, and just shifts in the way people think about things and the way people do things so that folks doing the work of like keeping our society going are valued in the way that they should be. Um, so, you know, come on down, gather, around, <laughs> gather around the table, sit on the couch, <laughs> put Ooh, your feet up. Comfy. Yeah. The couch, it's a good couch. Y'all should come. I have to tell you it's closed today. So it's like a lot easier to have a conversation. Okay. People are not, but, um, but if it was if it was open, there might very well be someone kind of just like nodding off with a book right there. Um, 
And that part, that part makes me real happy too, that there's like conversation, but that there's also like rest and just, um, uh, pleasure. Speaking of people enjoying your space and sitting on your couch, um, what, what does one do to have an event at possible futures? Cause I see all this amazing, just events happening on going on previous events. I'm seeing pictures with right now on your Instagram. It looks like everybody's having such a good time. So just please <laughs> talk to us about that. Yeah. Uh, people can just reach out. I mean, I, I feel like this will resonate probably for you all. It's like, mm-hmm. if you, people are like, how do I get in touch with you? And I'm like, if you email the store, it's going to get to me. (laughs) (laughs) Not like a big, you know, staff, a beep, you know, it's like kind of, it all goes the same place. And there's just very few of us. Um, So just reach out by phone or email or you, you all reached out, I think over Facebook or, or DM, you know, it can be overwhelming. So I would just say if, if I don't get back to you or someone from here doesn't get back to you, um, it's not that we're not interested. It's just, it, it just might be a little bit of being overwhelmed. Um, and also you can't, you kind of can't say yes to everything. And part of that is mm. you know, there's a great new book out by Trisha Hersey, who's the founder of the nap ministry, amazing black mm. woman. And it's called like rest is resistance, you know? Um, and you also can't say yes to everything because you'll just, your tank will be on empty. And when your tank mm. is on empty, you can't like serve yourself or others in the ways that are kind of uh, most healthy. Um, But yeah, just reaching out, proposing ideas. Like there was a really beautiful event here on Saturday night Mm -hmm. called, uh, it was a launch of a podcast radio show called Abolition Transmission. It's a collaboration between some incarcerated folks uh, who mm-hmm. are also making art and some of their allies just on the outside working together on a radio show and getting sort of the voices of incarcerated people out through the radio, um, but also uh, selling the prints, the print versions of their original artworks with 100% of the proceeds of those sales kind of going right back uh, to the makers themselves, like not going to the project, going to the actual incarcerated folks who are part of the project. And, you know, they just, they just came into the space and were, were chatting about ideas. They saw books that are here on kind of abolition or critique of like the prison industrial complex and just said, like, we're hoping to have an event. Would you, would, what, would you ever consider having it here? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> you know, and we just, it all worked out timing wise and it ended up, you know, being, being great. And I, and just to give them like the props that they deserve, I, I really did very little except, you know, open the doors, yeah. help them mm-hmm. a little bit of like set up. I worked the register for them as like a pass through, right. mm-hmm. um, but I don't feel like, you know, that's not, that's not my event or it's not possible futures event. That's really abolition transmission, just like needing space to celebrate and amplify the good stuff that they're doing. And so there's just kind of an open invitation for people to get in touch. There's going to be a workshop this week with, um, there's some uh, folks from a black and brown homeschooling co-op, you know, okay. people who have chosen not to have their kids in the public system and they come through the space sometimes and they were like, what about doing something for a Dia de los Muertos? And, you know, having, they had a friend who's like an artist who's now going to do a craft workshop. And then there's going to be a public altar and a celebration. You know, I don't pretend that that's like my personal culture, but it's, it's like the space is here for people to build community through. Um, And a lot of these events um, involve in a good way, like trying to um, disseminate information and get mm-hmm. information flowing more in our city about things that people might not know about or might have questions about, um, whether it's like abolition or mm-hmm. um, whether it's like cultural traditions um, in communities that are maybe not their own, but are very much part of like where we live. So yeah, just reach out, come through. <laughs> and yeah ask questions this is my next question for you who is yeah. jerry craft who is jerry craft oh jerry craft is the goat <laughs> 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 i'm gonna grab 
Bob, hold on, because I, I just want to like, I'm going to No, no, we, we love it when this happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, show and tell is awesome. Stuff. Oh, we love, we love, this is the best part. Okay. Yep. I didn't know you were going to ask that, but you know, I'm prepared, right? Yeah. Um, there you go. So, so Jerry Craft is a totally amazing um, graphic novelist and mm-hmm. just, and just all right, uh, like a human. Um, he is the first uh, graphic novelist to win this really big award in basically young people's literature called the Newbery Award. Um, so it had never been given mm. to a graphic novel before. He is a black man. He, mm-hmm. for a long time, I think he's just such a great model for so many um, young people because he was somebody who self-published actually for a long time mm. and was one of those people who was like grinding and selling books out of the trunk of his car. Yeah. He's like, he's an introvert, but he's also a very funny person um, <laughs> and just has like a hustle you know, had major hustle. And his book, um, New Kid, which is the one that won that award, um, mm-hmm. is about a seventh grader uh, who's a new kid um, navigating the kinds of things that young people navigate in middle school relationships, um, growing up, figuring out who you are. And, uh, you know, he came to the store um, in part because he was leaving Connecticut. So he was a Connecticut-based oh. author. We have lost him. Right. To, Florida, to Florida. But here's the thing. I'm glad that Flora is gaining him as a voter. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm also glad for him, like, as we head into this next season, because I just feel like Jerry, Jerry Craft has, has earned sunshine. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so blessings on him going to the Sunshine State with his soon-to-be um, uh, wife. And oh, good for him. Yeah, and getting kind of starting a life there. He'll be back to Connecticut because he's just a person who has relationships that he values a lot. And I'm sure he'll, you know, he's got schools that he works with. And um, he came to the store on his like kind of goodbye tour uh, to sign books. And he, there are signed books here. I don't, the copy I have in front of me is like one of the few not signed copies, but he's got a great doodle in there. So it's not just like his signature, it's like a little (laughs) cartoon. Um, And he's also the, like only the fifth, um winner of the award as a wow. as a black, as a black author since the founding of the award like over a century Damn. ago. So I mean this guy is like he's a real big deal and he's also a real humble human. And I think it's wonderful when young people get to meet someone who who just can hang out in a room with them and like <laughs> talk and crack jokes and you know, play a prank. He played a, a prank on an author, a friend of his while he was <laughs> like recorded it. He, he recorded himself signing Kwame Alexander's book. And I don't know if you know who Kwame Alexander is. <laughs> Talk to us. Who is he? He's totally rad. He's like a total, <laughs> he's a total, um, he's just a baller in like children's <laughs> literature, writes, <laughs> writes books for young people. I probably have one. Hold up, hold up. You know, Ooh. my- Look, look, hold on. I'm going to come through again. Again. More show and tell. Love it. I love this. Love it. Keep it going. Here's one of Kwame's books. Um, mm-hmm. Rebound. Uh, um, and really cool. Like, it's one of these books written. So when I was teaching upper elementary school, like with fifth graders, especially fifth grade boys who were not, um, who were not, who did not see themselves as readers, like, mm-hmm. it's a really hard time because, like, it's an age where a lot of young folks are like, oh, well, I, I should be reading like big ass, excuse my language. Sorry. Big chapter, chapter books, you know, like big kid books, not books with pictures. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's like, Mm -hmm. and I do try with everyone. I'm like, adults would be happier, more well-adjusted people if they read children's picture books on the regular, especially the ones that are coming out now, because Mm -hmm. they're different than the ones many of us grew up reading. And, um, they can be incredibly profound mm. really good for like social and emotional um, and therapeutic kind of content. But like a book like this, that's written, you know, by a black man um, mm. in the form of a chapter book, but also in a format that's like a whole bunch of poems. Mm. It's just like much, it's like accessible to a wider range of readers. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's the kind of thing that like, if I was teaching fifth grade now, I'd be like trying to teach totally them. on that. <laughs> but so <laughs> Jerry, Jerry inscribed one of Kwame Alexander's books saying yeah. like, this would have been better as a graphic novel, but, but, <laughs> but Kwame, but Kwame did his best. <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> it was real sweet you know um and just that kind of levity from somebody mm. who's also experiencing enormous success and having like his books picked up by like tv and movies and you know is is like is like going into the stratosphere but it's just still mm. it's just still himself and can talk to you about the weird like one, like the hustle, like what it mm-hmm. took, how long it took, like to pub- publishing one's own books before he got his like industry break. Um, mm. And also talking about the fact that his books have been banned, you know, mm. they've been banned, even though they're not about any, like Jerry Craft's books are not about critical race theory. They are right. literally just about young black character having a life. Mm-hmm. And that was enough. That's enough for them to be banned in like Mm. an entire school district in Texas. And (laughs) it's like, why are you opposed to like black boy having a life, having joy, just have Mm. like being being alive? I mean, if that isn't a sign for you that you are on the wrong side of everything, Mm -hmm. um, right? So he's just a super, he's just a super cool human. That was a long answer to a simple question, but nah, I meant it when I nah, said go, it, we, go, the, the, go there was a lot of gems there. <laughs> I wouldn't know who Kwame Alexander is without that without your long answer. But um before I give it to Easy Blues for a little bit, because I know he wants something to talk about, but how great does it feel to introduce these people to New Haven, to introduce these books that you wouldn't probably get actually won't get it all at new haven public library how good does it feel to have that platform well shout out to the library the library has these books oh, okay and, cool and they have Answer them i question. will say no they they have them because they have really awesome librarians who are working okay. hard to get them there i will say sometimes it's harder for the library so i mentioned this um i think it's just over email so i'm mm-hmm. on the board of the library I stand, okay cool i stand for the public library big time um and I just, I do feel like it's hard for them budget-wise to get the newest books right away, but they have, uh, they have an amazing staff of people who are like working to get a more diverse collection that meets the needs of like different um, neighborhoods and branches and the whole system. Um, I do think there are books in the space though, that you're right, are just not as easy to bump into in local mm. bookstores. And that, I should say, that's a big part of it. So the space um, shelves pretty much exclusively uh, books by authors from groups that have been historically underrepresented in publishing or on public mm. shelves. So just about everything in the space, but not not everything, but just but the vast majority, like by Black, Indigenous, um, queer, uh, bilingual authors. Mm. And so, you know, there are, for example, some books that are in English and Cree, you know, Mm. right. And those are not books you're going to find at Barnes and Noble or that you're going to bump into in the library. And part of the purpose of the space is to really support people to meet books they might not otherwise find. And to your question, like, it's totally joyful when you introduce somebody to a book and they're like, I didn't know this existed. And this is like speaking to me. Or in some cases, like I see myself in this book and I have not seen myself in a book before. Um, like that stuff, that stuff is super beautiful. And on the flip side, I tell people, you know, I will we'll get you any book. Now, not, you can imagine there are some, maybe a few books. <laughs> I would never get anyone. <laughs> But barring that, it's like, if you want to read Nick Sparks romance novels, like The Notebook, if that, right. if that's what you kind of the way you in your life rest, mm-hmm. we will get you that book and it will help us keep the lights on here. Mm. It's not going to be on the shelf, but if you, <laughs> if you're buying it here because you believe that a space like this should exist, then that's actually helping us like make sure that this space can be what it is and offer what it does. So it's a combination of like 
what's here is trying to do what you're saying kind of um like correct for a history of underrepresentational um mm, and then okay. at the same okay. time it's like trying to find other ways to allow people to work in their wheelhouse read in their wheelhouse um because i do think we're all healthier when we read true uh, mm-hmm. and to do that in a way that like supports community and supports a space that maybe gives um an opportunity for like the abolition transmission <laughs> radio show <laughs> to have a launch party um right it's a virtue it's a virtuous circle a virtuous circle Hopefully we're part of that circle on WNHHLP 103.5 FM New Haven, myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Rays, fighting with the Wi-Fi demons right now. But go right ahead, my friend. I want to give it give the mic to you. Well, I, this is, first of all, I, I've also been just sitting back and listening because this is some of the, the best information to be given out there. Um, mm, thank you, honestly, agree. for everything you, everything you do. Um, I really, truly appreciate it as being someone on the other side of it, you know, we talk all the time about representation meaning so much and having a space where people are being represented in there for their true art is absolutely incredible. Um, just want to go back a couple seconds. Cause like you said, the Wi-Fi has been beating me up today. Um, <laughs> I love the fact that you also stand for understanding the importance of the public education system but also being able to call it in, call it out and be critical with it. It's so important. You know, I personally feel that teachers are undercut. You know, they, they have only given so much power. I, I feel the same way with elected officials. Someone who's just going in for a brand new office they've never run before, they're going to promise you the world because they think they have that power. But that first year in office, they realize how much power they don't have. You know, and now they're just a liar of going into the position understanding you know what you can do and what your limitations are um so i do i think everything that you you you're doing is absolutely amazing and i want to totally give you props and flowers for it because it's it's super important i also now am going to have to go and read some young adult books because (laughs) that's amazing um you do have to read them they're so good they're so good well, and, and and that's the thing is like I'm I'm someone in particular like I love Audible um, because I can go and do my day, but while while having other voices in my head besides the one the one that I created, um, you know, mm-hmm. and I've grown it and it helps develop. I you know push out two or three books a week just by listening and then reading, and sometimes listening and reading um, at the same time, which I don't suggest for other people. You can get lost in it, you know, and that's how you wake up you know, three days later in, in, in uh, Beijing, married to a pineapple. And you don't want that to happen. I'm just saying. It was rough. The, the, the divorce proceedings in Beijing is very difficult to get out of, especially with a pineapple. But we'll talk about that later. Um, you know, but as, you know, you continue to grow and you continue to push, you know, what is the next evolution? Because although, yes, your, your space is super important, I know and I can feel, and maybe you don't know that yet, but I can feel your journey is going to expand in a beautiful way that kind of brings education back to that one-on-one aspect um is this something that i'm spoiler alerting or am i just picking it up (laughs) no but i feel like you're really making my you're making my week by like this is like manifestation monday like big things are (laughs) big things are gonna happen um i love it i mean i feel like well so first a few things one is um in terms of like what's next i think part of this also like educating folks so um that the space like just exists and what it can mm-hmm. offer so we actually have uh an audiobook partner called libro fm that is not attached to amazon and it's the it's like a company yes it's a company that supports independent bookstores across the country so like possible futures has a page um, like a storefront page on Libro FM, and you can subscribe. You can have a membership there if audiobooks are your jam. You can buy them directly through our website, but you also can like. So for people who are like you're saying, like are super attached to their audiobooks, I thought I would hate audiobooks because I like love holding it. Um, and it took me a little while, but I so appreciate them, especially the ones that are read really well by people and not not all of them are and I'll tell you one of my 
favorite audiobooks is this like book called King and the Dragonflies, um, mm. which was one of my favorite books that I've read in the last few years is written is a middle grades novel. Like, so written for like fifth, sixth graders. <laughs> and I know what you're thinking, but this goes to your point about like, you got to read some YA stuff. This book is so deep and so beautiful. And it is read so beautifully as an audiobook by a voice actor. Um, it's a wow. book by um, right. kind of like an emerging, very prolific, um, I want to say young, but like, you know, in their thirties, um, mm-hmm. black trans author mm-hmm. named uh, Case and Calendar. The book is about a, a kid named Kingston James. He goes by King James, who has mm. just lost just lost his older brother. Um, t- and, you know, his family is like reeling from the grief of that. You don't really know why and, uh, or how originally. And it almost doesn't matter for the story. The story is really about like King King's journey. But his brother has left him before his brother passed away. His brother said something to him. They shared a bedroom. They were really close. He loved his brother, Khalil. His brother, Khalil, said something to him about him hanging out with this other kid. And he said something to him like, you know, you got to be careful. You you maybe shouldn't hang out with him. People are going to think you're gay. Mm -hmm. And and then his brother died. And he he left this 12-year-old kid with that, like, comment. And he's trying to figure out like who he is in the world. And at first, you know, he like what to do with that piece of it, basically like that piece of advice. Um, It's Mm. so deep and so good. Um, So it's like, I just, I would say like, just, you know, finding ways to let people know about great books and let them know about the other options they have from a place like, like Amazon. And then like the bigger picture, I just working with schools, working with teachers, Um, And then, you know, in my dream world, there's a community book space, like in every neighborhood. And I don't mean, Mm. I don't mean like me in every, I just, yeah, you're not looking for a franchise. No, no, not at all. In fact, this doesn't, none of this works as a franchise. I mean, that's the point I walk to work. It's my neighborhood. Like, you know, that's the point. Um, but like supporting people in other parts of the city and, and elsewhere, like in Connecticut to just like make it rain books and make it rain, like liberating spaces for people to gather and to think about and like organize for the future or just for like the creative things that they want to do in their own lives that will enrich their neighborhoods and their communities. It's like, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I do know that I don't see myself as being in competition with anyone. And I certainly don't see myself as being in competition with like the library or another bookstore. It's like, get your books from Atticus, <laughs> you know, get your books from BAM books, you know, by any means necessary books, uh, Black Mobile. Love books. them, love them. Yeah, Nice Jane. Yeah. Get your books them, yeah. from the library. Go and be an advocate of the library demand that our public school libraries have full-time librarians so that they're staffed mm-hmm. and open every single day for children in our city. When books are plentiful, people are healthier. Mm-hmm. When books are plentiful, people can self-educate. When books are plentiful, people have reason to choose books, not TV or books, not social media or books. And I'm not trying to demonize those things, but mm-hmm. I think I think our collective diet is really off. Like we need to be consuming more books versus some of the other things that we consume. But when I say consume, I don't mean, I mean, critically consume. And I don't necessarily mean buy, you know, get them how you get them. I also very much like love to match up people who are like, so-and-so just read, bought this a month ago. I know they have the book, go to them. You know, ask them if if you can borrow their copy of Big Girl so that you're not spending the money for it if if money is a consideration and you're also not waiting on a long list at the library where there might be 10 people ahead of you for that book. Just like making books move between people, um, mm-hmm. I think supports like good conversation. And, and I do think books can be a thing like sometimes the stuff we have to talk about is really hard. Like the most important stuff to talk about is just really, really hard. 
and we can get to conversation about it around a book um, in a way that we wouldn't be able to without the book. Like we could talk about some things that we're not able to talk about. Um, you know, I know this is really intense, but like first children's book I've ever found um, about incest actually. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that book is a vehicle. Like, I'm not just going to put that out for anyone to browse, but that book is a vehicle for right. a conversation that people mm -hmm. might not otherwise be able to have. I had adults in the space recently who had just lost a parent and they were like, do you have books about grief? And I was like, I think you should get this book called Death is Stupid. Mm. That's the name of the book. It's a kid's book called Death is Stupid. <laughs> and it's this beautiful collage book about like the way we really feel when somebody we love dies and how we might want to like throat punch someone mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and how we might, you know what I mean? Like all the, like actually honoring the feelings that live in the child that's inside of all of us. Like that's right. actually what you need when you've lost somebody beloved to you and you're grieving is you need somebody to connect to your most basic self. You need something that's going to allow you to have that conversation. And sometimes you can have it with a book or you can have it with somebody else if there's a book in between you because you can use the book as the like scaffold for the conversation um, in a way that just you would never do without it. We sat and we like three adults like teared up together in the mm. ch children's rug in the book space looking at this book together and this book and another book about a child who'd like lost her older brother and her oh my her her parents mm. were like refusing to talk about it you know mm -hmm. um, so i just i just think books are vehicles getting them where they need to be is the is the i don't like master plan but is 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 the is the big picture plan <laughs> well but we're definitely happy that we had you on the show lauren but unfortunately we're coming to a close and now apollo curtain is coming but um just we always like to give this little bit of last time to our guests uh please just give any um, great advice to anybody who wants to go into your shoes, you know, in a similar path. Mm -hmm. And please tell us about any future events coming up at uh, Possible Futures. And last part to this three-parter <laughs> is um, any social media that you want to just give out coming to yourself or your very own brand for Possible Futures. So uh, yeah. go right ahead. I would say to people just like wanting to follow the pathway of like their dream. I, mm -hmm. I think the first thing would be like, don't wait so long. Took me right. like 10, 12 years. At the same time, do a little bit on that dream, like do a little work for that dream every single day. One of the first things I did was I filed a name with the city back in like 2016. That was the first thing I did to like make myself feel like I was working on my dream. And those little things have a way of creating momentum that gets you to the big thing. The other thing would be just to surround yourself with people who are going to be your cheer squad, your hype squad. Um, don't surround yourself with people who are going to tell you that it's a bad idea and you can't do it. Um, you need to find people who are, who are going to invest in your dream and invest in you being able to do it. And I don't mean monetarily, although that's great if they have the means to do it. I mean, spiritually, um, and emotionally. Um, and I think like hook up with other small business people. Um, the small business community has been like super supportive and, you know, to the point about asking questions, like ask people questions. If you admire what they're doing, ask them how they managed to do it. And um, that would, that's, so that's the first thing. The second thing about events, um, I mentioned this week, there's a craft workshop on Wednesday, just to open um, artist hosted, come make some stuff for Dia de los Muertos. We're going to be setting up a public altar just outside of the space uh, to honor um, ancestors and loved ones who have passed. Um, they'll also be on the Saturday. We have a big Saturday this weekend. Local author um, Patty is going to be introducing her children's book called Aspen Colors the Neighborhood at 1030 a.m. Okay. on Saturday for story time. In the afternoon, there's going to be a Dia de los Muertos celebration with some vendors, a coffee truck, a whole bunch of wonderful folks here. Ooh, all right. And in the evening, there's an artist talk that Saturday night. Um, one Something I should have said is one half of the space has a rotating um, kind of exhibit for local artists who curates then a shelf of books that reflect their interests and inspirations for what they make. The first one is just like a painter. His, his paintings are up all, all around the room. He'll be talking about them on the 29th at 6 p.m. So that's like a big weekend. 
And then just for anything else, you know, follow the Facebook page or the Instagram account for possible futures books and it's futures with an S and you can also sign up for the newsletter on the website. If you just are trying to um, have a more healthy set of boundaries around social media use, you could just get the email. It'll come to you twice a month um, with like upcoming events and things and also book recommendations and, and other stuff. All right. Awesome. Lauren, thank you so much for being a part of broadcast. We appreciate you. Myself, Prestige, and my partner in crime, Long Island Rays, Elm City Made, EZ Blues is in the building, and this has been Behind the Brain. Wondering what to write about, trying to figure out what it's all about. Excellentialist, am I worth anything or just a scout? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Spending time all alone, sending my songs through the phone, dreaming of a better home, when while focused on trying to hone this craft, witchcraft, I hope the brujas let this last. I don't know, if the earth is Yeah.